Take it down Mifted. to dungeon. Yeah. Um, Mift and peeved. Mift and peeved. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. I don't use it, but it's a real one. I don't use it, but it's Not in your vocab? Down to dungeon. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of CLNS Media, dailythunder.com. We're also featured on Dash Radio on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today, I've got my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, how's it going? It's going great. We had like just two games the past week. We won them both. And so we are completely happy, right? That's right. It's it's so much easier to just pretend that Lakers game just doesn't even exist. Yeah. <laughs> what it a weird... So- yeah. What a weird game because you know the our last show so we talked about how the Thunder were going to make a trade and how they were they had a four game losing streak and they were going to play Golden State the next night and I said, "You know what? If I hope that we're talking on Monday about how the Thunder have won two out of three and they're back on track." Well, they did that, but they yeah. certainly did not win the games I thought they would. Uh, that Golden State performance, I mean, we can talk about it a little bit. I mean, that was absolutely incredible. I did, I mean, I guess I should have expected it, but I didn't expect to see them bounce back in that way. I thought they would play well, but I didn't think that they would crush the Warriors in Golden State. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact with this team is when they play their best basketball, they always win. Like, I mean... I, Probably one of the games against Minnesota, they they lose it even if they play like the best they could for like part of the game. But when they they got it from the beginning, there's not many losses. I mean, I I don't remember one. So right. they played better. They play a good game. They play better than Golden State all over the place. Uh, Ross and PG were just spectacular. Um, all the, the the like the. The role players really played an amazing game. Yeah, Alex Abrines, Patterson, Grant. I mean, it, it's Josh. it was a Josh. It was an impressive performance from the mm-hmm. team from all, from a team perspective, even without Melo. And that I mean, I don't want to say, and I'm, I will not say that Melo is detrimental to this team because he is not. But it was good to see the team playing even without one of the stars at that level because I think that when Melo when men will be engaged enough on defense, we will see the full potential of this team. And Melo is a huge part of that. Yeah, without a doubt. And it's easy to look at that game in particular and say, hey, you know, this is Melo. He can't move. He's old. He takes too many bad shots. They're clearly better without him. And you know what? Maybe that night they were. Like maybe that night in particular, he just wasn't ready. But when it comes down to it, Melo increases their ceiling. So in, in a playoff series, against even like a San Antonio, I think Melo could help you quite a bit. And, you know, you're not going to always get good shooting from your role players. And you're always going to... Melo, for all of his faults, is going to always be able to score. And this team at points in the season has really struggled to do that. And Melo 
can be a guy that you go to. He's been taking guys off the dribble all season. Uh, and if you recall in that first game in Oklahoma City, he really frustrated Draymond. And, oh, yeah. you know, the Thunder clearly frustrated him again. Uh, <laughs> but he played well against Draymond. He defended him well. I thought that he played a great offensive game. He pump faked him into the air and drove right past him. You know, he's going to be helpful. And, you know, the Thunder without Robertson, like they just need as much talent as possible. You know, that maybe that brings us a little bit to the discussion of the buyout market. Um, people, I mean, I think that the fan base is at a point where they just want something to happen to this roster. And maybe one thing that happened is that they acquired this guy at the trade deadline. I don't know if everybody knows who he is. His name is Alex Sabrinas. He's like a really good player. <laughs> he can really shoot the ball <laughs> and defend. Like, I don't know. I think... And this wasn't, an, obviously, it wasn't an acquisition. But getting a good Alex Sabrinas for the rest of the season is massively impactful. And then the Thunder are waiting. These guys just have to be bought out by March 1st. So we still have some time. And we still have time for players to get upset. Teams are going to start tanking like crazy because there are so many teams bunched up at the bottom. And there's going to be some teams that want to separate. And I don't know who it's going to be. I'm not, I really have no idea. I don't know who's going to be upset with the role. I don't know who's going to say, I want to go play for a contender. I don't know who it is. But, you know, Tony Allen's going to be sitting there. I don't think that anyone is going to just scoop him up out of nowhere and really want him on their team. And I think the Thunder have kicked the tires on him and, you know, have some interest in him. And I know that he has interest in being here. But I, and I don't know if this is even real, but Nate Duncan this morning, uh, talking to Mark Stein, mentioned Contavious Caldwell Pope uh, oh, yeah. out of L.A. And holy crap, if KCP is bought out, KCP, we got a starting spot for you, man, right here in Oklahoma City. Like, how perfect would that be? I mean, like, that would it would be insane if they could get Caldwell Pope for nothing for the rest of the season. I don't think they'd bring him back because I, I don't, and who knows, I don't think that they would. But if you can just rent him for nothing, and obviously it's something that you would have to do and you could sell him on starting role, chance to win a title. I don't know if he'll be bought out. I have my, I would think that probably 80% chance he doesn't even get bought out. But if he does, you know, the Thunder have a pretty enticing role for him. Yeah. And I mean, let's, let's take like the full picture here from the, like of all the trade deadline and the buyout market. I think that the rule in the trade deadline was they tried to move Kyle Mm-hmm. with second picks, second round picks. And there's not many teams out there that are like in the mood of taking salary long term, even right. if it's just next year. Mm-hmm. Atlanta, that was the official explanation why they didn't trade Marco Bellinelli, because they, they thought that they were better off having those five millions and no second round picks, especially bad ones like the one of OKC. Um, and they decided to buy him out. Yep. And and so that was the, the reason why OKC wasn't that active or that successful uh, in the in the trade deadline. And then there was the buyout market. And I know that many fans are out there uh, hoping that something move, moves fast. But you have only one shot. Like, they have only one roster spot open. Uh, yes, they can release uh, Dakari Johnson. They can release uh, Nick Collison. I, I'm not saying they would. Uh, right. To, to create more than one. But the team is kind of, it has a good chemistry in the locker room. There is 
there are players that can help out there. You mentioned KCP, uh, maybe Vince Carter. Um, I, I'm not sure how much he can help in a, in a series against Houston or, uh, or Golden State. There is obviously Tony Allen. There is, uh, if you want, like a, a backup center and a veteran leader, there is uh, Andrew Bogut or the corpse of Bogut, depending on uh, which one we get. Uh, yeah. But there are many other players in, uh, in different situations that, as you said, um, in L.A., things can get south because Isaiah is Isaiah. He wants to play, and the only way to make him happy is to start him instead of KCP. Um, there are, like, teams like Orlando or Phoenix or even Dallas that will, will tank a lot. Mm-hmm. And maybe Wes Matthews decide, look, I'm, it's enough if you pay me half of what or the 68, 65, 70% of what you owe me. And I want, I want to get there and play for, for a title. And I'm not sure now it is the case, but in a month, who knows? So, I mean, you have to take it carefully. And as, uh, as Mark Stein said, I mean, the closer we get to the, to March 1st, uh, the better we have, we will have like, um, a better picture of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Some somebody surprising will be bought out, and the Thunder will be glad they saved their roster spot for somebody. And even Marco Bellinelli, like, how much is Marco Bellinelli helping this current team? Because you have Alex Abrines already, you can't really play those two together. And then no. you're basically just choosing Bellinelli over Abrines, bringing him in. What well, I don't think you watched Abrines last night. You're like, well, we have no reason to do that. Like, we have Mark, a younger Marco Bellinelli already on the team. Yeah, I mean, I'm the least uh, optimal person to, to, to talk about <laughs> Bellinelli, uh, as you may know. Or maybe the most optimal. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I really don't know. I, I, don't, I don't like him as, a, like, a starting player or a rotation player in, in a team that wants to win at the highest level. Mm-hmm. Um now, I mean, uh, when he was in his prime, he's, he wasn't like the seven or the six or seven guy in San Antonio um, against Miami. So yeah, he may give you um, more shooting um, coming like during the regular season, as as we will do in Philly. But if JJ Redick is ready to go, I'm not sure how much Marco will play in Philly coming playoffs time. So, and as you said, I mean. Uh, the three-point shooting is really similar to what Abrines has this season. He is shooting 37.2% on five attempts, and Alex is 38.4. So he's actually shooting better. Um, I know that he he wasn't consistent, but the, the time that he played wasn't consistent as well. And I hope that from here to the March 1st and Actually, I hope um, like for the entire remainder of the regular season that Alex gets more consistent time. Like if he gets like 20 to 25 minutes a night, I think you will see a different player uh, from the one, the one we, we saw in the first few months. Yeah, yeah, no question. And, you know, Fred's talked about this a lot and we've talked about it. He's such a rhythm guy, Abrinas yeah. is. And he seems like he's catching his rhythm, that he's really getting comfortable in his role. And it's certainly not ideal that Russ and Melo miss time right now, but there's one way that it is, is that I think that the starting unit is likely a bench unit that the Thunder will use in the playoffs. And if, mm-hmm. and if that bench unit, and they showed it last night, like they, there started to be some cohesion within the way they play offense. 
And that had always been the issue. Like, they couldn't score for whatever reason. They could not score, <clears throat> excuse me, with Paul George out there with bench guys. And I think that it will be Paul George and Adams out there with bench guys that they'll sub out Adams quickly and put in Jeremy Grant and let those guys run and then pull Paul George and then eventually have those two back in together with a mix of Albrinus and Patterson. Um, and, like, it really worked last night. I thought that Paul George was absolutely phenomenal. He distributed the ball well. He scored with ease. He got to the basket. And some of that has to do with your playing the Memphis Grizzlies, who talk about tanking. Like, yeah. they're, they're, they're done. Like, that team yeah. is cooked. They are finished. They're absolutely done with this season. Uh, and it showed last night, but the Thunder played really, really well. And the Thunder typically, even if that, you know, the Thunder don't play well against bad teams. And they showed that against the Lakers. They were awful, but then they were able to run simple actions and play good defense. And they got a lot from Patterson. You know, Jeremy Grant, Mr. Magood himself, to 14 points. And he's actually been passing the ball pretty well. He had two assists last mm-hmm. night. He's. I mean, if you're talking about a most improved player on the Thunder from, you know, the time they traded him until now, I mean, it's got to be Jeremy Grant. Like, he's gotten so much better. He finishes around the rim well. He draws contact uh, on his way to the rim. Uh, Even he's shooting with confidence, even if he hadn't shot a good percentage this season. Uh, He has been phenomenal lately. And they actually kind of went to him, you know, when Paul George was out and he was able to score and you know he's he's a guy that we talked about as a trade candidate for this team but he's so versatile and when you get into a series with the rockets or the warriors which the thunder are hoping to play you know and they may have to play both of them in the playoffs if things work out right i mean jeremy grant is incredibly important because he can guard two through five he can run the floor he can score a little bit on his own uh, he's he's been really impressive yeah, I mean, yesterday, as you said, as soon as Paul George went out, they really played, like, I think five straight possession uh, with him in the post. Mm-hmm. And he was able to basically either score or or they fouled him, which was crazy important to have one of the best uh, offensive quarter of their season because they scored 39 uh, on a very high efficient number. Uh, and that was part, part of that was Jeremy Grant being able to put Memphis in the bonus early on. I think after three three minutes, three and a half minutes, they were in the bonus. And like I know that Memphis is one of the the teams that fouled the most in the NBA, but still to be able to abuse anyone in the post and like Jeremy did yesterday, it was very very uh, good to see. And the three ball is not falling yet, but in the last 10 games, he's at least 30%, which is very encouraging for the rest uh, of the season. Yeah. Yeah, and everybody's talking about Larry Nance, and when I just hear the conversations about Nance and how much he's going to help the Cavs, I just think like, oh, well, the Thunder, like, Jeremy Grant and Larry Nance are pretty similar. And yeah. they can do a lot of the same things. And so it's just kind of interesting how you never really hear anything nationally about Jeremy Grant. And, you know, they're talking about Larry Nance because he was traded to the Cavs. But the way that national people talk about Nance is like, oh, well, they would have to have a similar opinion about Jeremy Grant because they're pretty similar guys. Yeah, they are. Um, can I make you like a, a small trivia? Uh, sure. 
so I was looking at net rating to prove that Jeremy in the last few games was actually effective for OKC. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, um, taking out Robertson, uh, Robertson, can you name the best three guys in terms of net rating over the last 10 games? Over the last 10 games? Yeah, 10 games. Uh, Russell? No. <laughs> no. Uh, nope. Steven Adams? Nope. Patrick Patterson? Nope. What? No, Russ is fourth at four point one. Abrinas? Uh, nope. Houston? Yes, first six point six net rating. Whoa, okay. Is uh one hundred and three point nine and ninety seven point three defensive rating over the last ten games. Wow, Paul George. Paul George is the third, four point four. Jeremy Grant, and and the second is our guy, Jeremy Grant. Wow, we. He's the last good. five five point three on sixty point six effective field goal and sixty three point four true shooting. Whoa! Oh, yeah, it's 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 insane, and to me, it's more insane that Eustace is at twenty seven. 27.27 through shooting percentage and still is is the best in networking and it, it, like the last five game is even worse I mean Eustace is first by far yeah uh, but anyway that's good I mean the Thunder need these wings to play well because they did not yeah. go get somebody at the trade deadline and who knows if somebody that's actually effective will be bought out and want to come to the Thunder I mean the truth is they need Jeremy Grant and Josh Hustis and Alex Sabrinas to be good. Like if they're yeah. going to have any chance whatsoever, even in a first round series, mind you, they need some one of you know two out of the three of those guys to be effective. And so far, it's shown that all three of them can be. And you know, Josh played really well against Golden State, and he he's he may never have great shooting numbers, but he's still affecting the game in other ways. Abrinas is like the opposite where he's just like shooting lights out and he's actually played good defense and you know Billy's been raving about him and his improvement and his just timing on the defensive end has gotten so much better uh, and, it, and it shows on the court he's not fouling quite as much uh, he played 37 minutes and fouled four times like in January or not in you know December he would have fouled out in like 17 minutes like he yeah. just couldn't even play uh He's improved and he's better and he's healthy. You know, he he posted, you know, 16 points, six rebounds. Last night he had a steal. Only turned the ball over one time. Uh, He was great. And the Thunder tied a three-point record, 16 made threes in a game, uh, which is kind of weird because that's, I mean, that's a lot of threes, obviously, but you'd think that (laughs) at some point this team would have, with Kevin Durant, would have hit more threes than that. Um but yeah, they they played really well last night. Again, the Grizzlies are really terrible, but you know it was good for the Thunder to to play well and just like stomp a team that they should. Um, with Russ and Melo sitting out, it was really nice to see those guys catch some confidence. Uh, just some overarching numbers about this team. Uh, currently, they are twelfth in offense at a one hundred six point five. They're fifth in defensive rating, still at one hundred three point three, and the seventh in net rating at a three point two. Uh, and then the numbers without Robertson. So I think it's the past eight games. Uh, on offense, they're 19th at a 105.4. Defensively, they're 11th, 105.7. Net rating, they're 18th at a negative 0.3. I 
it's funny. Like some people are like, well, the offense is no problem for this Thunder team. You know, it's the defense that they really need to worry about. It's like, well, they actually have a better defensive rating over the past <laughs> eight games without Robertson than they do offensive rating. Um, it's just going to take a little bit to recalibrate. And, you know, that Lakers game obviously just muddies up those numbers tremendously. Um, but still, like this team, I feel like they're going to rebound and they're going to be fine um, as they head toward the end of this or actually toward the all-star break, which is much needed for most teams. A lot of these teams look pretty low energy, except for the Cavs yesterday, uh, who the mm. Thunder get to see tomorrow night. Uh, but most teams are pretty low energy. They're kind of ready for the all-star break. They get a pretty nice break. The Thunder have two games left, and we can go over those games, really only one of them, because the Thunder just played Memphis. But they play Cleveland tomorrow night, Tuesday night, uh, the 13th, and then on Valentine's Day they play in Memphis, uh, back-to-back right before the All-Star break. And then they don't play again until uh, Thursday, uh, February 22nd in Sacramento. So a nice long break for them coming up. Um, before we go into that, I want to tell you about Andy's frozen custard. Go to Andy's today. Uh, I took my family the other night. Uh, you can get just a like a, a dipped uh, vanilla ice cream uh, dipped in chocolate. My three-year-old son just absolutely loved it. It was gone just in a few seconds. Um, my wife and I got a Heath Bar concrete that was just to die for and then my son who loves cherries got a chocolate cherry sundae uh that was delicious you can go get your sundae today i've sent out some cards to a few of you guys and i've gotten a lot of good feedback because andy's is just that good there's locations in oklahoma city there's one in edmond they're all over missouri you got to go check out andy's frozen custard it's seriously the best they make it fresh on the hour you can watch it being made through the window uh, it's unbelievable. So please support the people that support Down to Dunk and eat at Andy's Frozen Custard. And pretty soon here, Michaela, you're going to be eating at Andy's Frozen Custard here. And yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to that. So let's talk about this Cavs game. The Cleveland Cavaliers are a completely different team now. They played the Celtics yesterday. They beat them 121 to 99. They absolutely demolished them. Uh, the Thunder, or not Thunder, the Cavs have one new starter, basically. They started George Hill at point guard. They're also starting uh, Jetty Osman, who I just love saying his name. Jetty Osman. <laughs> it's just such a great name. Uh, <clears throat> and then they had their new guys. Uh, Larry Nance played 21 minutes. Um, he was, you know, pretty effective. He didn't do anything crazy. Uh, and then Jordan Clarkson and Rodney Hood both really showed out. Uh Rodney Hood was 3 of 6 from 3, 15 points, 6 of 11 from the field. Clarkson, 7 of 11 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3. Uh, and played, they both, I thought they both played adequate defense. They played with a ton of energy. And really the Celtics did not. Like the Celtics looked pretty bad yesterday as the Cavs looked incredible. So uh, the Thunder have a challenge coming in, especially if Russ and Melo can't play. We have no clue if they're going to play or not. I'm going to assume that at least Westbrook plays uh, tomorrow night. It, it would just really surprise me if he didn't come back um, from what didn't seem like a crazy ankle sprain. If he's been day-to-day for several days, seems logical that he would play tomorrow night against the Cavs at home, but uh, that remains to be seen. But are, what are some of the things that we need to look for uh, against the Cavs tomorrow night? Well, I think that 
the, the difference between um, the last version of the Cavs and the one that uh, played yesterday in Boston was LeBron James was committed from the beginning, end to end, on both ends, and we, we see it firsthand with Russ. When Russ has a certain level of commitment, like the whole team is behind him. Like against Golden State, he was committed 100%, and the team was committed 100%. And with Cleveland, it's the same. Uh, it seems that with this trade now, the team has one soul uh, and not many, uh, like he did before. Um, and so, I mean, they they played as they played as a unit yesterday. They shoot the ball particularly well. Uh, I don't expect them to shoot that well for the entire season. They can shoot 53% uh, from three on the rest of the season. I, uh, <laughs> no, but I expect them to shoot like in the high 40s, like in the high 30s uh, slash like low 40s. Yeah, for yeah, the rest sure. Of the season. That, that, that is doable with They've LeBron James. Shooters, and yeah. With, yeah. Uh, I think that having George Hill is a very, very good stuff if you face a team like Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even a team like OKC because he, well, because you have like at least two guys uh, that you can switch on uh, easily um, against Golden State. I don't know. I mean, in terms of how, what is the ceiling of this Cleveland Cavaliers, I think I still think they are uh, behind Golden State and by quite a bit. Sure. But surely, surely they get rid of two players that were not playing up to their standards. And, and, um, one is uh, well, of course Isaiah and also Jay Crowder. Mm-hmm. I. I I think that he didn't find any freedom, any confidence, anything in Cleveland. Uh, but he's a great player on a great content. That's why they, they could uh, they could get um, Hill and Hood in that deal, taking taking back like seven millions in in tax and and stuff. So I think they did a great move. Uh, they will be completely different in terms of uh, personnel and I think that the defensive performance of yesterday was kind of inflated by the fact that the Celtics should shoot the ball particularly bad like 10, 10 on 38 for, from, from three point range mm-hmm. is not a good night but the fact that they were able to generate 38 uh, three pointers uh, it doesn't speak very highly of Cleveland defense um, so I don't think they, they are as good as a defensive team as they like some national media will um, will describe them to be, but for sure they improved the offense a lot and they improved cohesion. And like most important, LeBron is kind of happy now, mm-hmm. and most likely he will be happy on Monday because he, like uh, tomorrow on, on Tuesday. So there's no reason for him to not be committed. And so we we will able to see um, a committed Cleveland Cavaliers team in OKC, which will be very interesting to see um, to, to like to measure where this team is at. Um, and so I'm I'm very interested to see how they play. Uh, for Osman, I mean Osman was I think a lot of European guys, me included, were excited to see him, him in, in the NBA mm-hmm. because he was like an, an energy guy, uh, skilled. He can shoot. He always uh, bring it to the, on the court, and it was kind of puzzling that with all the lack of energy of, of the beginning of the season, he didn't have like a real chance to play. And I know that Wade and like other guys uh, needs the the minutes, but I mean this guy can play. He is tough, and I mean he he'll have a career in the NBA. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And it makes you kind of wonder why he didn't get time earlier this season. Um, but 
you know, for him to go crack the rotation and be a starter. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I assume that he'll continue to be the starter, but I'm not sure. But LeBron has certainly talked favorably of him and it, mm-hmm. it seems to be working between the two of them. And I think that you touched on it. I mean, it's really all about LeBron being motivated and happy. And really, a lot of other things are pretty secondary in Cleveland. Because if they can make a run here, get back to the finals and play, you know, Golden State and maybe take them to five or six games, that he may say, you know what? We've got Jetty here. We've got Jordan Clarkson. We have Rodney Hood, who, you know, if. LeBron says bring him back, they'll bring him back. Yeah. Like, there's some potential there. And you have the Brooklyn pick. And who knows what will happen with that. With all these teams being so jumbled up, I mean, let's hypothetically, like best case scenario, they end up with like the number one pick again. And then you could flip that and Kevin Love for something very significant. And then you go and try again. I mean, it's not it's what seemed hopeless in Cleveland a week ago. Uh, now there's a lot of hope there for this team, just because you have a happy, motivated LeBron. If they went, if they got past the trade deadline, and Isaiah and Jay Crowder were still on their team, and he was still just you know frustrated with the roster and frustrated with the way they were playing, you know they may lose to the Raptors in the conference finals, and then it's certainly all over. Um, but now there's there's a glimmer of hope there for the Cavs and for them to to keep LeBron at least you know for another year maybe uh it's it's not all lost and you know i'm it's pretty exciting to be able to see this team in person you know tomorrow night in oklahoma city it should be it should be a fun game as long if, if we get russell and mellow back it should be a really fun game yeah and also i don't completely get the chatter about i mean the cleveland cavaliers made a favor to the los angeles lakers this is not how the nba really works yeah. and i mean uh, this is not me. Just me talking. Is every uh, reasonable, um, like informed guy in the national media or the local media knows that if LeBron and PG decided to like leave OKC, uh, leave Cleveland, and go knock to the like Rob Pelinka's door and say, "Well, we want to come," it, like in half an hour, they have max space for both. Right. Like, even if they don't trade uh, Clarkson now, even if they don't trade Nance, like, if you have two superstars that wants to come to you, you free up the space. Yeah. They 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 did it uh, taking uh, an asset. I know that that looks bad now, but that is why, like, that is how Isaiah is looking bad right now. They wanted a pick to take it. Mm-hmm. So it, it is really unbelievable how bad he is he probably is in the locker room to 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 make cleveland spend a pick just to get rid of him right yeah and you're right i don't know why people acted like well now the lakers can do it now it can finally be done everybody watch out the lakers are coming it's like okay like in in the nba if if lebron says to any of the other 29 teams in the league hey i want to come to your team they will find a way to clear cap space. It will happen. It just happens every summer. There's somebody that says, this is what I want to do, and they make it happen. You know, even for the Warriors, Kevin Durant said, I want to come to your team. Well, they didn't have any trouble clearing away some a little bit of space that they needed to make that happen. And it'll be the same with the Lakers. You know, and maybe they just did it at the right time where they got a first-round pick. They can keep Kuzma. They can keep Josh Hart. 
They can keep whoever they want to at that point. They deal away two guys. They keep Randall. Uh, and then, you know, if if those guys say, hey, you know, let's team up. We don't really like their situations that we're in now. Let's move on. It was going to happen. You're right. It was just inevitable. And so it's, it is kind of silly the way that it was covered on Thursday in particular. But, you know, with Paul, it's. I think fans probably just need to probably take a break from what is Paul going to do. Because Paul, I'll tell you what Paul's going to do. He's going to say nice things all the time until free agency. That's what he's going to do. He's going to say things that make you feel good. He's going to say things that make the Lakers feel good. He's going to say things that make the Thunder feel good. That's what he's going to do until free agency. We don't know what he's going to sign, where he's going to sign. We don't know what's going to happen then. We don't. We have no idea. I think a lot of people still say that he's leaning toward OKC. Fantastic. I think that I agree with that. I've heard enough people that know what they're talking about say that. And so that's where I put the stock at. But overall, like listening to what Paul says day in, day out, looking for hints, you can probably stop because Paul is just such a nice person and wants to please people that I don't know how much you can take from what he's saying to reporters day in and day out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of guys says, I mean, it's March, it's February. Yeah. Uh, it would be very, very stupid and ill-advised for George to make a decision now, because right. I mean, right. you want to you want to see how they look like coming playoffs time. Yeah. How is the locker room then? Who will show up? What is my role? Is George is Westbrook revert to uh, the ball is mine and you'll never see in the fourth quarter? Uh, is Bello like uh, a corpse or is he the one that makes the winning shot against Golden State? Against Golden State, all these things matters a lot. It's yeah. good, and I think that is real. Uh, that for what he saw, Paul George is committed to to what he saw about OKC. That is a great thing because he could like he could say like I oh well, I don't know. And like he's in a good spot in terms of liking the organization, liking the team. Sure. But to, for him to make a decision, it's like it's impossible for him to make the decision now, and it would be ill-advised to make to do so. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's. I know that the national media will keep talking about this until the end of the season, and he is polite enough to answer and not to shut down the questions. But again, as you said, I mean, it's. Um, not that important to to listen and to read through the lines because there's nothing to read yet. Yeah, and if I mean, we we know all this to be true because we know how Kevin did everything. You know, Kevin said a lot of things about OKC. He did the article with Lee Jenkins. You know, not very long before he left, and we've been here before. And yeah. you know, contrary to popular belief, Kevin really did like the organization and liked a lot of the people there and didn't hate Russell Westbrook. He may have, at the end of the day, you know, preferred to play with a guy like Steph Curry than Russell Westbrook, but it doesn't mean that he like completely hated Russell and didn't want to be around him anymore. Like that, those things, I just don't believe those things are true. Um, but Kevin made his choice. He made the choice because he would rather have all the championships than you know a chance to get a couple or a few in OKC, and he he had the right to make that choice. But just just make sure that you're on guard a little bit. Thunder fans with Paul George and don't don't take everything that he says, you know, at face value. You got to take all of it with a grain of salt going forward with him. But the good news is that he is on our team right now 
and yeah. he's playing phenomenally, and he's fitting in really well with this team on and off the court. And against Golden State, I mean, he looks like a top five player. He and Russell were the best players on the court. But by far. Without a doubt, yeah. And he's going to make a huge difference if the Thunder do get a chance to face them. And it could be in the conference finals. So, you know, we talked about this earlier this season that, wow, the Rockets may have a chance at number one. And then they started to fall, fade a little bit. And we're like, ah, well, that's that's not going to happen. Well, now, now it seems like it's very possible again. You know, mm-hmm. the Warriors have lost several games here recently. And they may continue to do that. And if they do, you know, the Rockets will have a chance to nab that number one spot. And the Thunder can be back on track to meet them in the conference finals if they can get past a team like Houston. And so I still have my doubts about the Thunder beating a, you know, a, a Houston team without Andre. Um, but you never know. Like that team has some injury play guys like a Chris Paul um, and guys that just haven't particularly shown up in the playoffs, uh, too. Whereas you have, you know, Russ, who always shows up in the playoffs and can carry a team on his back if he needs to. And now that he has Paul George and Mello on his team, like he's, I I don't know. I'm really interested to see what the Thunder can do in the playoffs. And, you know, they may still have a shot to, to meet the Warriors in the conference finals in which Paul George will be massive. And he could, you know, he outplayed Kevin Durant in two meetings so far. And I don't know if that will continue or not, but you know, this just may be a great matchup for him. And he, clearly thrives under pressure to play well against big teams and so uh you want to have that guy on your team and you want to have him going into the playoffs and that's why the thunder never even considered trading him at the trade deadline even if there's a risk that he could leave yeah i mean how many times did you watch the tree ball uh, after the little um oh, the crossover fakes. yeah yeah the crossover he, he did on kd oh. that play was phenomenal it was. i mean i jumped i jumped from the couch <laughs> it was early morning here i tried not to scream uh yeah. it was such a such a great game it was. it was like it like his arsenal was on full display like yep. defensively offensively everything he, he brought it all over uh golden state and it was amazing to see amazing to watch so i mean even if it's just one season you you had like those games i mean it was fun. It was incredibly fun. OKC looked great. And I think that, I mean, Paul George knows that too. And so, again, what, he, what, he's, what he's saying now is the state of his mind now, which is a good thing for him to be happy of where yes. he's at. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Michele, anything else before we go today? No. Uh, I think that the Cleveland game will be very interesting. I might see it live. Uh, not, I'm not sure yeah. yet. Um, but... And for the rest, I mean, let's enjoy a good All-Star weekend, um, yes. even if it's like, I'm not sure. I hope it's uh, it's better in terms of uh, competitiveness on the floor, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure it will happen. Yeah, it, it, it just is what it is at the All-Star game. Uh, yeah. You should be following Michele on Twitter already, but if you're not, follow him on Twitter at Mikey Barra. Follow us on Twitter at Down to Dunk. You guys have been phenomenal at leaving five-star iTunes reviews for us. Please continue to do that if you listen to us all the time and you haven't had a chance to do that. Just take you know two minutes of your day, search for it on your phone, search for it on your computer in iTunes. So search down to dunk, hit five stars. Uh, that means a lot to us. I want to thank everybody that came out to our live show the other night. Uh, we were a little shocked that we had that many people come out to listen to us, but you guys were 
were great. It was great to visit with a lot of you guys. Uh, we have the best listeners, and we're just really thankful for you guys. So hope you guys have a great week. Enjoy the Cavs game, and we'll talk to you with Alex Spears Wednesday uh, before the All-Star break. Have a good one. Yeah.